Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So we're in a series where we're looking at something called This Is Us. We're talking about our values as people who are in Life Church. But I think it's, it's more than that. It isn't just our values as people who are in Life Church. It really is our values as people who, who follow Jesus, really, because these are, are quite, um, quite straightforward things that people who follow Jesus, these things should be part of their lives anyway. So they shouldn't really come as a surprise to you uh, when we talk about the things that we're going to be talking about. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, a few different things. But I wanted to show you this picture of this building. This is one of my favorite buildings in the world. It's the Burj Al Khalifa. Now when I say this is one of my favorite buildings in the world, I just want to make it clear, I don't have a list of favorite buildings in the world. Yeah. There is, I don't have posters on my bedroom wall. This is second and this is third. This just happens to be one of my favorite buildings because it is quite impressive. Yeah, it's quite an impressive building. So let me tell you a little bit about why this is my favorite building. So tallest building in the world. Yeah. Tallest building in the world. In fact, on a clear day, you can see this building from 60 miles away. That's impressive. That is impressive. Uh, there's 160 floors in this building, 160 stories. And uh, the elevator travels at 60 kilometers an hour. So you can go from the bottom to the top in less than a minute. It's quite good, isn't it? Now I know that I don't know some of you might be like this. When you go when you go to a hotel, you get the you get the opportunity, do I use the stairs, do I use the elevator? I always choose the stairs because I know it's good for my heart. But I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can do it in this hotel. It's like how much time do I have? Yeah. Amazing building. Uh, the, the design of the building is such that it, it kind of is a funny looking spiral if you like. And uh, one of the reasons they designed it that way is because when the wind blows gets really strong winds, they want the build, the, because of the shape of the building, it breaks up the power of the wind, and so it doesn't affect the building as much as if it was just a straight, you know, building into the sky. I think that's quite impressive. The thing that impresses me the most, though, is this is built in Dubai, which is essentially a desert. So this building is essentially built on sand. Tallest building in the world, essentially built on sand. And that is impressive to me. But it's not built on sand. Because you can't build anything on sand. And so here's what this building is built on. Underneath the building, there's a concrete mat. It's 3.7 meters high, and it's 110,000 tons of concrete. That's about the same amount of concrete as if you filled up 18 Olympic-sized swimming pools with concrete. That's how much concrete is in this mat that's under the building. So that's what the building sits on. And that's impressive, but that's not enough. It's not enough. So under the, under the concrete mat, I feel like this is a construction lesson this morning. <laughs> I, we're getting somewhere, don't worry. Under the concrete mat, there are holes that go into the ground, 50 meters into the ground. And in each of these holes, there's a concrete pile. The concrete pile is 1.5 meters wide. Yeah, so it's just about the same height as me, but wide. Each of these concrete piles attached to the concrete mat goes into the ground 50 meters. And there are, 
192 of them. 192. One of the guys who was involved in building this building said this. He said, if you want to go tall, you have to go deep. If you want to go tall, you have to go deep. Why am I talking about this building? Jesus said these amazing things in Matthew chapter 7. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Here's the thing. Our foundation is important. It's incredibly important. What we choose to build our lives on is incredibly important. It makes the difference between whether our lives will be successful in the sense of who God is and what He wants for us, or whether it won't. It'll, it'll make a difference in, in whether our buildings, our lives stand when the storms of life come, or whether they will collapse and crash. Our foundation is important. So what is your foundation? We could be tempted to build our lives on a foundation of family. You know, the, the, my family is the most important thing to me. And that's great. But we just had Christmas. And Christmas is when families come together. And then some, some of us realize that when families come together, that families come together, it's probably not always a good thing. Because, because there are some issues sometimes. Because people fall out sometimes. And if your life is built on your family always getting along or always being good to you, or they're always being great relationships, you will be disappointed at some point. And then what happens if your life is built on that foundation? We could be tempted to build our lives on the foundation of having stuff. If I, if I have this car or this television or these trainers I teach in a college, and so trainers are a thing. Yeah? Uh, there, was a, there was a... I'm digressing. There was a... Um, an event once, and I was manning a stall event, and these teenage girls were coming in to look at, at what was happening. And I saw one of these girls wearing some trainers I'd never seen before. I thought they looked quite nice. So I'd never seen them before, never saw the brand name before, so I memorized the brand name. And then uh, when the event was finished, I went back to my office and I googled the brand name. And I thought, oh my life, these trainers were 700 pounds. 700 pounds for a pair of trainers. I mean, first of all, how? how? How are you as a student able to afford trainers for 700 pounds? And secondly, why? Because, because why? Because why? But if this is important to you, if the foundation of your life is built on I have to have the next best thing or the best stuff, then this is what you build your life on. And what happens when you run out of cash? What happens then? Our foundations would crumble. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He was saying we need to be people who practice the teachings of Jesus. And that's who we are. That's our value. That we're people who practice the teachings of Jesus who build our lives on the foundation of the things that He says to us, so that regardless of what comes our way, we're able to stand strong. 
The word of God is so important and so precious to us. Let me read you some stuff from Psalm 19. I've not got it on the screen, sorry. Psalm 19, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Who needs a bit of reviving today? Reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. This is amazing. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. Remember, this is King David who's writing this, and he had much pure gold. But he's saying, the words of God are more precious than that. Sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. In keeping the things that are in God's word, there is great reward. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, this is one of the other 316s. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching. So let me break it down for you, it'll be on the screen. The Amplified Version breaks it down for us, and I put it in bullet points so, to help us. All scripture, everything that we read, is God-breathed and profitable for instruction. It tells us what to do. Here's the thing. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like being told what to do. Particularly don't like my wife telling me what to do. Especially when I know that she's right. And it's something that I've already thought of but not done. And then I'm like, Lisa, get out of my head. Don't tell me what I already know to do. We don't like instruction, but actually God's word is there to give us instruction, to show us what to do, how to behave, how to respond in different circumstances. It's profitable for conviction of sin. We need to be told when we're doing something that's wrong. And God's word will reveal that to us. It's, it's profitable for correction of error and restoration to obedience. So it's not just telling us when we've done something wrong, but actually helping us to get to a place where we understand I'm moving on. I've done something wrong. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm moving on. It brings us to a place of restoration to obedience. It's also profitable for training in righteousness. And I love the way the Amplified Version breaks this down. It says, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. Why is, why is God's word profitable for all these things? So that you, believers, says man of God, but it means believers, so that you who follow Jesus may be complete and proficient outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why this, this book, this foundation for our lives is so important. So Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. It is important to be people who place ourselves in a position where we are hearing what God says. And this is great. Gathering on a Sunday to sing together, to serve each other, to share what God has put on our hearts. This is brilliant, but it is not enough. This is not enough. It's a good, it's good. Please don't stop doing it. It is good that we do this. This is very important, but this is not enough. What happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? There still needs to be an opportunity where we as people who love Jesus are placing ourselves in a position well, we can hear what he has to say to us. And so that means that we need to have a plan. 
some kind of uh, uh, some kind of opportunity where regularly we are hearing what God says. And this is the main way that God speaks to us. Right. His word. This is how God speaks to us. So are you putting yourself in a position to hear what God has to say? It's very important. Now, I'm an advocate for Bible plans, Bible reading plans, big fan. If you have any questions about that, come and see me after. Um, if you struggle to read and you think, I don't really like reading, there are lots of audio Bibles that you can have. There's an app called version that I'm a big fan of. It is amazing because there's lots of different versions of the Bible. But also, there's a little button you can press and it will read it to you. So even if, even if you're in your car, obviously you should be reading in your car. As much as reading the Bible is good, you need to be keeping your eyes on the road. You can listen still. There are lots of, lots of apps and lots of things you can get. So if reading is an issue for you, you can still be in a position where you can hear God's word. Because it is important. Jesus said it was important. There's an incident in, uh, in the Bible where Jesus is speaking to a group of people. And a woman gets so excited by the things that Jesus is saying that she shouts something out. It's one of those, one of those, oh. she shouts something out. And then Jesus responds. And I think if I was there... I think what would have happened would have been complete silence after Jesus responded to this woman. So let me, let me talk you through it. So Jesus was saying stuff. It's Luke eleven twenty seven. It says, As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave birth and nursed you. Your mom is so blessed to have you. It's basically what she shouts out. She's so amazed by the things that Jesus is saying. Blessed is the woman who gave birth to you. The people around would have been going, mm, yeah, yeah, we agree, yeah, yeah. And you imagine Jesus would respond by saying, Ah, oh, thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah, my mum's great. Or, yeah, thank you. It's nice of you to say that. He doesn't. He says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a thing. What a thing to say. I think there'd have been silence after that. Just silence. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. There are two aspects to what Jesus said when he talked about building a house on the rock. He didn't say, "He who, those who hear my words are like someone who builds his house on the rock. He says, those who hear my words and obey it. Those who hear my words and put it into practice is what he says. And so there are two aspects. Hearing God's word is important, and obviously we need to do that. We need to ensure that we're hearing what God says. But we also have to do what we hear. We also have to do what we read. We also have to find a way to put it into practice, into our lives. As we journey through life, we have to find a way to put into practice what we're doing. In the everyday decisions that we make, in the conversations that we have, in the plans that we make, we have to make sure we're practicing what we are learning. Someone asked me once, a bit morbid, what would you like to have on your tombstone? It's a bit of a strange question. We're having this kind of conversation. What, what would you like to have on your tombstone? What sentence do you think would sum up your life? It's an interesting question. What would you like to have written there? And I came up with an answer because, in fact, Jesus helped me because at, the, at that time I was reading a passage and thinking about a passage of scripture and something popped out from the passage that really challenged me. And so I said my sentence, which I'll tell you in a moment. 
The passage is where Jesus is just about to have the Last Supper with his disciples. In fact, it's before that, he's about to ride into Jerusalem. And so he says to his disciples, I want you to go to this village. You'll find a donkey tied up with a colt. I want you to loose the donkey and bring it to me. If anyone says, hey, what are you doing? You say, the Lord has need of it. Now, please don't try that with anything. And it works if the Lord has said it first. Don't get into someone's car and then say, the Lord has need of it. It doesn't work. Yeah? It's called theft. Yeah. And you get into trouble. So don't do that unless the Lord has specifically told you to do it. So they went and they got the donkey. And, and you know the story how it ends. Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And there's a little throwaway line, really, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 6. Just this line. It says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And I think if I wanted, if I wanted there to be a line that I aspire to, a line that I hope to live up to, it is that. Nick did what Jesus said. Yeah. I mean, that's it really. Yeah. That's the summation of our lives, of who we're called to be. People who do what Jesus asks of us. And I don't think, this is my thought, I don't think that we'd be celebrating being in, in Warrington West today, sharing the body of Christ, drinking, remembering what he did for us on the cross, singing together, listening to God's word together. I don't think any of that would have been possible if the disciples heard what Jesus said. I think it's possible because they heard what he said and they did what he said. Right. And because they did what he said, we are here today. Right. So there's more than just hearing, we have to do. So how do we read and do? How do we get to that place where we're reading and doing? We have to, when we read, we have to say, God, what is it you're saying to me that I can do today? What is it you're saying to me that I can do today? For example, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Holy Spirit, we can say, what can I do today to ensure that I'm not storing, to ensure I'm not storing up treasures on earth, but that I'm storing up treasure in heaven? What can I do today to store up treasure in heaven? James chapter 3, verse 18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Holy Spirit, how can I be a peacemaker today? And then we wait, and then we do what God shows us, so that we are applying God's word to our lives. This book can change your life, but you have to let it. You have to let it. And God uses it in incredible ways to speak to us. Let me share with you a verse that, um, from my own life, really, that started the journey that got me to Warrington. It's an amazing verse. It'll change your life. Let me read it to you. It's at Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. You ready for this? Genuinely, this verse led me to work. It says this, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Change my life, that verse. And let me tell you why. I love obscure verses. Verses that, I mean, you know, God so loved the world, we know that verse. 
I think all of Scripture is God-breathed. All of Scripture is God-breathed. And so I remember reading that verse, and God clearly spoke to me. Because I read that verse, and it, nothing jumps out immediately, does it? It's like some guys are going somewhere, loads of people, and then they settle somewhere. I mean, let's move on to something more exciting, sure. But actually, when I read that verse, something stuck out to me. What stuck out to me was, this guy, Terah, was headed to Canaan. Yeah? Promised land. He was headed to Canaan. But when he came to Haran, which is not Canaan, he settled there. And I went, I read, genuinely read that verse, I went cold inside. And I thought, God, I don't want this to be my story. But I'm supposed to be going somewhere. And then I stop somewhere else and settle there for whatever reason. Maybe it's more comfortable. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I can't be bothered with the journey anymore. I don't want there to be a destination point that you have for me that I have missed because I've decided to settle where I am. And I started to pray that through. So this verse got me to a point where I started to pray, God, what is it, what is it you want me to do? Is there a next thing you want me to do? Have I settled? Am I comfortable? Am I, am I in a place called Haran when actually I should be in a place called Canaan? What is it you want from me? And there's a lot of prayer, a lot of things going on, a lot of circumstances. But those were, that was the thought process and the prayer, and the prayer that happened behind me and my family, moving from where we were in Newark, Nottinghamshire, to come to be part of Life Church in Warrington, because of that verse. Because we have to be people who don't just read or hear what God says. We have to be people who do what He tells us to do. When Jesus says, those who hear my words and put it into practice, it's talking about actions, not ideas. Yeah, it's about doing, not thinking about doing. Knowing is good, but doing is better. Yeah, there's, there's a difference between the word knowledge and the word wisdom. Knowing is, is having the ideas and, and understanding what's going on. And wisdom is putting what you know into practice. Yeah? So the best way to understand this, I guess, is, uh, helps me, is uh, knowing, knowing that tomato is a fruit. That's knowledge. So if you didn't know that, every day is a school day. Tomato is a fruit. Just want you to get that. Yeah. If you didn't, if you didn't already know that, tomato is a fruit. That's knowledge. Wisdom is knowing not to put the tomato in a fruit salad. That's wisdom. So we, we know what it is, but then knowing what to do with it is wisdom. And so knowing what Scripture says is good. And you know, please, I encourage you read this. It's really good. But doing what it says is better. And I would go so far as to say, I would question whether we truly are followers of Jesus if we're not doing what he asked us to do. Because if you are following someone, you are doing what they say. But if you just say you're following someone, but you're not actually doing what they say, are you actually following them in the first place? We have to be hearing and putting into practice. One of the things that helped me early on in my Christian walk was, uh, was soap. Because <coughs> I smelled so. One of the things that helped me in earlier in my Christian walk was soap. Let's approach to reading scripture. S-O-A-P stands for different things. Scripture. So we read some scripture. Observation. What is it that you see? What grabs your attention? Like in that passage that I read, 
it dawned on me that this guy had, was setting out to Canaan, but he didn't get there. So what grabs your attention? What do you see? Application, how do you apply this to your life? My application was, Lord, what does this mean for me? I, I really don't want this to be my story. So how can I apply this to my life? And then prayer, it's always good to soak what we're reading in prayer. So let me wrap this up with some, some general ideas of how we read scripture. The early church would read scripture in community. And in fact, the early church would not just read scripture in community, they would read it out loud. I was listening to a podcast this week and he was saying that there was early on, there was a guy who read scripture in his mind. He wasn't reading it out loud. And everyone in this community thought he was mad because he was just staring at the, at the book and not saying anything. Because they expected, when you gathered together, that you would read it out loud. And so, I encourage you to read scripture out loud. It helps me to read it out loud because I read quickly. And when I read quickly, I will skip over things. But, if you read it out loud, you have to slow down. You just have to slow down. And when you hear what you're reading as well, it just has a deeper impact on you. The other thing I would encourage you to do is read different versions of the Bible. Don't just, I mean, I know we have our favorites, yeah? And that's okay. But read different versions because, and this is why, and, and this is how it helps me. So, so I'm just telling you stuff that helps me. Reading different versions helps me because sometimes I'm familiar with the verse that I'm reading. And when I'm familiar with the verse I'm reading, my brain is very tempted to just skip it and move on to the next thing. Because it recognizes the patterns, it recognizes the words. I understand, I know this verse in the form that I'm reading it, and so I'm tempted to skip over it and not really pay attention. But if I'm reading a different version, it's phrased slightly differently. Yeah, the, the words are in a slightly different order, maybe. There's a different kind of connotation to it, and I will see things I've not seen before. And I have to slow down and read it because I don't recognize it in that form. It's very good to read different versions just to keep it fresh and just to ensure that you're not rushing through. Memorize scripture. It's another thing to do. Get it inside you. There may be moments where you won't have access to your phone, an application on your phone, or your actual Bible, where you really need to have something from God. And if you've taken the time to put it inside you, yeah. at that point you can pull it back out. Yeah. And you can say, this is what God's Word says. Because you've taken the time to place it inside you. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. And it's really good to do that. So if you're struggling with something or you need reminding of something, there's a passage that, that you know really speaks to you, I encourage you to memorize it. Memorize it, get it inside you so that you, uh, you can then recall it and bring it back out whenever you need to do so. Um, one, of, one of the other things I do in my life is I'm a teacher. So I'm going to give you some homework. Um, you'll be pleased to know I won't be coming back next week, so you have to hand it in. I won't be marking it. This is completely up to you. This is like freestyle homework, this suggested homework. Yep. What I'd like you to do at some point this week is I'd like you to read Psalm 119. It's a big chapter, so I'm not expecting you to do it today. It's 176 verses. Yep. So you might not want to do it all at once, but I encourage you to read it because in Psalm 119, the psalmist talks about God's word. He uses lots of different words for it. He says precepts, 
ordinances, commands, instructions. There's lots of different words that he uses for God's word, but he talks about God's word a lot. And I just want you to read it through and think, God, which of these expressions, which of these verses, which, which of these um, expressions of love for your word is something that I need to take on board? On board. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's verse 105. The verse I quoted before, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's from Psalm 119. And so read it through and ask God, God, what is it that I really need to take on board about your word? But underlying all of that, as people in Life Church, one of our values is that we practice the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. That we don't just read what scripture has to say, that's very important and we must do that. But we find ways to sit in God's presence, to say, God, this is good. Now will you show me how I can put it into practice in my own life? We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.